it's it's badass already that you built and grew it during COVID and when people in the energy space were going out of business yeah, left and right. Yeah. People were getting out left and right. But it, it worked out for me because the, you know, the talent was there. You know, most of my guys that I've hired, they've been out of work for the last three months, six months, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So it was good to find hungry guys that were ready to get back to work. And that's, I think that's another thing you, that's yeah. helped us is that, you know, everyone that I've hired, they're hungry. So they're out there, you know, I got guys that work, you know, how I used to four or five, six weeks straight. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't ever complain about nothing. They're just ready to work every day. If, if the well's down or something and there's no work, they're calling me like, Hey, can you send me somewhere else? Like they're just, they're just hungry. You, you know? know, put that on a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> slap your logo on there, yeah. stay hungry, be hungry. Yeah. You know, that's, Welcome to Blind Spots, a podcast about innovation where I talk to today's leading experts in the transportation and logistics space. Our topics are industry forecasts, company mishaps, and discussions about the overall climate of business. I'm your host, James Peterson. Thank you for being here. Of course. You're one of the people that I'm, I was really excited to have on because I think you got a great story and people can learn a lot and probably take some value from what you have to say. No pressure or anything like yeah. that. You've got to be brilliant, though. If you want to reach out to Isaiah, you can email him at Isaiah at SandsharkOFS.com yep. with questions, comments, inquiries. He's always around. If you, if you think he's interesting, I, I suggest you reach out. A lot to unpack here. I, I can't wait to talk about Sand Shark. You guys are doing amazing things, especially during COVID oil crisis. But before we get into all of that, I, I'd love to just hear about how you got started in the oil field logistics space to begin with. So it was uh, probably about 10 years ago. I lived in South Texas, uh, San Antonio, and uh, I, I was in the mortuary business before I got into the oil and gas. Uh, and uh, Okay. Time out. Time out. <laughs> The mortuary business? Yeah, yeah. So out of high school, I went to college, dropped out, and and I needed a job. So I went to, you know, one of those agencies, and they're like, hey, yeah. you want to be a funeral director's assistant? And I was like, I mean, I guess if it pays, and it paid fairly well when I was you know, 18, <laughs> 19 years old. Uh-huh. So I did that for a while, and then I ended up working for a, a Bear County a morgue, which is the, you know, the mm-hmm. morgue that handles all of San Antonio and surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I... Just left that. I got burnt out, you know, because I was on call 24-7. All I did was, you know, pick up dead bodies all day, oh every God. day. Yeah. So at that time, you know, it was 10 years ago, you know, Oldfield was doing pretty good. And I just took the first job I could get and it was dispatching vacuum trucks at night. Mm. And uh, so I started doing that and uh, I went through, you know, a couple companies. I would always, you know, I was young. I was chasing the dollar, you know, if I was making mm-hmm. $14 an hour and they offered me 16, I was gone, you know, the next day. And I was pretty good at what I did. I've always been mm. able to, you know, multitask and handle, you know, a heavy workload. I was dispatching, you know, over a hundred trucks at night by myself. So I excelled mm. pretty quick. So when I was doing the vacuum truck thing, which is completely different from what I do now, it's more, you know, liquid hauling rather than sand. But I saw the truck pusher, you know, at the yard and stuff, and he just supervised the drivers and the trucks. And he had the company pickup truck, flashy, you know, nice salary, always looked good, taking people out to lunch. I was like, man, I want to be a truck pusher. So I found an ad for a truck pusher, but it ended up being a sand coordinator. I, I didn't know. I was, you know, still young in the oil field. So for for those people who are listening or watching who who may not actually understand what a truck pusher is, 
Can you talk about that? Yeah. So on the on the vacuum truck side, you know, the liquid hauling is, you know, they go out to locations, they help, you know, find the jobs, they go out there and watch the drivers and the trucks while they're working. You know, they're usually, like I said, the guys taking people out to lunch, kind of business mm-hmm. development slash safety slash operations type thing. So they wear multiple hats and that's what I wanted to do, you know, because they didn't really answer to anyone. They did whatever mm-hmm. they wanted. Like I said, it, it just looked like a fun job. So I took a job as a sand coordinator, which is quite the opposite. This was, you know, shift work at a well site, just watching trucks all day, you know, ordering trucks, you know, the deliveries and stuff like that. So that was, like I said, that's about 10 years ago when I got into sand and, and I've been in it ever since. So my understanding is sand coordinator is like one of the more complicated jobs on a frack site, right? Because they're relying on you, correct? Yeah, I would say so. So they're the, you know, they're the eyes and the ears on location. So they, they order the trucks and they need to be there in a timely uh, manner to ensure that the frat crew has, has the sand to pump. And if they order too soon or too late, you know, they risk putting the, you know, putting the job at risk of it running out of sand. If they order too early, then the trucks are sitting on the clock and they pay what's called demerge and that could end up costly as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, they're the eyes and the ears. So they're communicating with everyone that's involved in that supply chain to to make Mm. sure that the frack has the sand they need to keep on going. So I would say it's it's definitely a trade, uh, a skilled trade, I would think. You can't just put anyone out there that doesn't know how to, you know, troubleshoot little problems. And, you know, there's a bunch of tricks of the trade that that they need to know through experience. So you can't just send anyone out there. It's you know it's not just a warm body to to run that job. Interesting. Yeah, the the couple of frack sites that I've actually been on are if you haven't seen it, it's just it's so complicated and industrial, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. noisy and loud. Oh yeah. And there's trucks coming and going and then you've got the company man yelling at someone and then you've got mm-hmm. the pad supervisor and then you've got the hands and you might have OSHA come out there. Mm-hmm. Or the E and O company might come out there. I mm-hmm. mean, there's the pressure's kind of on the whole time. So you oh, were you sure. were doing that at how old? I was I was ten years ago, about twenty nineteen twenty years old. Twenty year old kid coordinating yep. sand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty rough. And and back then it was it was you know it was the wild west. I mean, it, now it's you know a lot more safer and regulated. I feel like you know feel like the old timers they would tell you. Oh, back in the day, we did this, this, and that. But when I look back at it, we I kind of really did. You know, we'd work 100 hours a week for wow. know, six weeks straight and go home for a week. I mean, it was, it was pretty tough. But it's it's funny that you're talking about old school. When I when I was working in the oil field, I was on a water-based drilling rig for natural gas. The rig was built in 1954 or 56. I mean, because, you know, they have the construction stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And it really was the Wild West. I mean, you'd yeah. work a 16-hour day, no problem. Yep. And if the tool pusher or the company man wasn't on site, you do whatever you had to do to get it done. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think now I think about, I mean, we just made it through a very cold week. But yep. before that, when it's winter or it's cold or windy, I always wake up and say, God, I'm glad I'm not in the wolf field right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely, yeah, this week was bad. With the recent freeze and that crazy mm-hmm. storm, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, but I think it's Uri. Is that what Uri? I don't know what it's classified as. What was it? Just uh, a I think winter it's just storm. a winter storm. Yeah. 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 So I mean, definitely grateful for that because you would know, you know, being out in West Texas, it's it's the wind chill is what gets you. It's always mm-hmm. windy out there. There's no trees to block the no wind. Trees. You know, it's yeah. it's bad. You got to be covered. You know, 
everywhere to, to stay warm out there. As soon as you get out of your pickup, you know, that wind's blowing 15, 20 miles an hour and it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty miserable. And, and you, we stay out in the elements, you know, the frack jobs don't shut down, you know, really for whether they will sometimes, but you know, normal rain, they'll just keep on going. So you're wading through the mud and mm-hmm. snow and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And that, in that industry, there's nothing as valuable as a pair of Carhartts, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, for sure. So and some muck boots, man. That's <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep, that, yep, they're yep. like gold. You gotta, I learned you know, early on to take care of your feet. And I'm sure you learned the same thing in the oh, military yeah. and stuff. I mean, you know, like Forrest Gump and stuff, you know, they say take <laughs> care of your feet. So, but yeah, I definitely, definitely have a couple pairs of boots, you know, it's, it's Carhartts go a long way. So you transitioned from the pad coordinator. Uh, was that it at TSS? Yeah, so, so I, I went to go work for TSS. The gentleman that hired me is, his name is Chuck Kesterson. He's a big mentor of mine. He's, he's in the, oil field for a long time, taught me a lot of what I knew. So it kind of got slow there a few years later. And uh, that's what actually got me to North Texas was they're like, hey, it's slow on you know, in the field part with the guys, the sand coordinators. And they're like, do you want to come up, move to Gainesville where they were headquartered? Do you want to move mm-hmm. up there and start dispatching? And I said, well, yeah, I kind of need a job. So I'll go back to dispatching. So I had to learn, you know, I, I knew the, the, the basics of, you know, how it worked, but I'd never dispatched a sand truck before. Like I said, I did water before, but I I started dispatching sand and, you know, just kind of came naturally. I, I excelled mm-hmm. at that. I mean, they got new leadership a few years ago and they asked me to to run their whole dispatch department. And uh, and that's what happened. I, I, I was, you know, I was 26, 27, maybe at that point. And I was like, are you you're telling me this whole building, <laughs> you want this little guy to run your whole, you know, multi-million dollar yeah. supply chain. And, you know, it was pretty humbling and overwhelming at the same time. But, you know, it, at the drop of a hat, I had, you know, 20 people that were under me. So I was mm-hmm. responsible for all these people, not only that, but, you know, all the carriers too. I managed all the carriers. That's how uh, I met a lot of good people. Some of the same people, you know. Um, yeah, that's right. Whenever we met, you were the director of logistics over yeah, there. Yeah. Like, so I did that for a little title. two years. Yeah. Yeah. I was just dispatch manager, but that was the title I was given. And uh, it was good. We I grew to grew up to maybe about 30 people on that team. I did most of the hiring, had a few supervisors and an assistant. So you had 30 direct reports and you were responsible for how many of TSS's trucks they had with like a hundred? So they, they're probably at a hundred now. I would say back then it was maybe like 40, 50, maybe something like that. Resource transport had maybe 40 or 50. They've steadily grown over the years, but I don't think it was that many. How many, how many 3PLs were counting on say, you for I would work? say probably about 50 to 60 carriers that we had. And I would say at any given day, there's, you know, 300 or any given time there's probably about 300 trucks on the road. And I think at, when I was there, our peak was 14 frack fleets that, that we managed. And that was including the Northeast, South Texas, East Texas, Oklahoma, and uh, West Texas, of course. I, I love TSS's dispatch center, man. It's like yeah. uh, the future. Yeah. If you, you could have seen where we where we went from to what, where they're at now, it was, I mean, we were like <laughs> pen and paper and Google Docs. Yeah. It was it was pretty wild. And now, so know, that's what you imagine, right? When yeah. when you when people hear dispatching, they imagine like you're on the mic, on the phone, texting, managing yeah. your drivers, and you go in there, and it's got it yeah. looks like a fancy oh, it's like Wall Street NASA room, or something. Yeah, it's giant screens and yeah. figures, and everyone's diligent. Mm-hmm. But they also have fun in there too. It's, it's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We did we did have a lot of fun and. Uh, it was a good learning experience for me to, to manage that many people. Now I manage maybe about 25, but it was good to learn, you know, how to, how to be a boss. You know, no one really mm-hmm. teaches you. And thankfully, you know, some of the folks, you know, were good mentors to me and helped yeah. guided me and, 
you know, any problems I ever had, I'd go up to them and they'd, you know, help me, you know, make the best bad decision. That was one of the, you know, one of the things I was told when I got into sand is, you know, things mess up all the time. But I was told you just make the best bad decision at that time because, you know, it's it's a bad situation and you just mm. go with, with what you think will, will try to help. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lose-lose. Sometimes it's a win-win, but. Well, you know, in the, in the Marines, they, they teach you how to make decisions, right? And basically you just have to take, take the inputs, process it and give an output, right? There's a saying that was just pounded into my head as stubborn as I am. I still say it all the time. It's hesitation <laughs> kills. Yeah. And I think in combat, yes, but also in business, you oh, know, for sure. And, and for sure. Whenever you have the, the guts and the will to make that bad decision when most people don't want to make it. I think yeah. that's how a lot of no. people get ahead. Some people feel that way too. But yeah. you, you said something that I want to talk about for a second, and that was you mentioned mentors. And something that we've had some conversations about is how to, how to find a mentor, how do you pick a mentor. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that? When you, when you found a mentor, were you looking for one, or did you just recognize someone that had some value? Not necessarily. I don't think I've ever looked for one. Thankfully, I've been blessed, and they've came to me, and I consider you to be one as well. I, I've always, I've always, I'm a people person, you know that, you know, I get yeah. along with everyone from, you know, the janitor to the CEO. Mm. And, uh, and like I said, I've just been blessed that the right people have been put in my path when, when I needed them. And, and mm -hmm. I didn't think I did, but the first one for sure in the industry was, was a gentleman named Chuck Kesterson. I, I owe a lot to him. He was the one that hired me at, at TSS. And the funny story is, and he'll, he'll tell you too, he would still, he would tell people all the time. And I got tired of hearing it, you know, over a hundred times, but you know, I went, I went to his office in, in Barnhart, a small town out in West Texas, and they had a rail spur, and that's where their yard was and all that stuff. And I went in there, and I was like, hey, you know, are you all hiring? I want to be a sand coordinator. I can do this, 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 and that. And he's like, oh, man, you're, you're full of shit. Like, you're, look at this. I mean, I look younger than I do now. And uh, he's like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. It's, you know, get out of here. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. You know, a few weeks later, uh, he ended up getting in a bind, and he calls me. He's like, hey, are you still looking for work? Yeah, you know, I could use some help. And I was like, yeah. And well, so you want to hire the kid now, yeah, huh? Yeah. So he hired me and never looked back. And like I said, I was with him for probably three or four years. I was like his right hand man. He took me under his wing. You know, he's a good, good man, had good morals, very respectable in this business. Everyone knew him. I never, never really saw a bad side to him through all the, all the stuff we went through, which, you know, it's a crazy business 24 seven. He's probably one of the most dedicated men I've ever met in my life. Mm. He, you know, woke up and he was always working. I mean, it was just. It's a good and a bad thing, of course, right? But uh, for the most part, I, I learned a tremendous amount of, of things from him. But uh, to answer your question, I, I wasn't looking for a mentor. He just, you know, happened to be mine, my first one, probably one of my most dearest. And uh, and we still, you know, keep in contact to this day. He got out of the sand business after, you know, COVID and all that stuff. And uh, now he's a mailman and he works on his farm and just lives the dream. But he's a, he's mm. a good man. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Might be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if we're doing like, are we doing Joe Rogan? Like, are we cussing and stuff? Are we staying, are we staying professional? Hey man, you do what you do, whatever you want. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Marine. So if I, if I can make it for an hour without swearing, then it's, yeah, it's a good day. It's a pretty big You know, it's impressive. I need to, <laughs> yeah. you know, Thankfully, we're going to have fashion in our hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we can go get a beer. I mean, we can pause it, but All right. let me ask a question. Of course. So it's nothing deep or crazy. I just want to hear your personal experience. Whenever you were 20, 19, and you were netting 
a 10K a month. Did you act oil field rich or were you smart with your money? And why don't you um, tell people what oil field rich means? I, I mean, oil field rich, everyone, I mean, well, <laughs> mostly everyone in Texas knows. Is yeah. you, see, you see a big jacked up lifted truck and there's a young kid in there. Either one is daddy's money or two, he's in the oil field and he probably doesn't make a lot of money. But I mean, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 for a 20 year old. I mean, yeah, you're going to go get the brand new bass boat and you're going to go get the yeah. brand new pickup. And thankfully, I never did any of that. Okay. I, I didn't really save much. I probably should have a whole lot more than I do now after all these years of, you know, making a pretty decent income, you know, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't do and do any of that. Thankfully. I mean, okay. I, I stayed with the, you know, same old pickup truck. I, I just, yeah, I, I still haven't even done that to this day. You know, there's, there's people that go out and haven't upgraded yet. Huh? No, no. Well, I remember, I remember I met you and our mutual friend Marcus for, for yeah. cigar and, and mm -hmm. uh, beer. And I just got in a little SUV and you guys yeah. were out in the parking lot <laughs> roasting me because I didn't have yeah. a pickup truck. Yeah. I have a truck now. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. upgraded um, as Texan as it gets, you yep, know. Yep. I'm going to forget that though. Yeah. You roasted yeah, me. Yeah, you're driving a <laughs> soccer mom vehicle. Like, come on, man. Hey, when you, when you travel all over, you got to be comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, that was my excuse at least. Now I have that truck and it's a... Uh, Badass. Yeah. Very now I'm proud to be your friend. <laughs> now. Yeah. Thank God. So you've built, I, I see you brought me some swag too. Yep. Can, can I see that? Oh, of course. That is all I had left, man. Those <sighs> things go like hotcakes. I got some. What am I going to do with this some, one? Got some stickers too. Okay. Right, I'll give nice. I find a pretty girl to give it to. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Work, they, <clears> pretty girl they, they go like hotcakes. I've probably ordered over 200 hats and I don't even have one. Like I, I, I well, just go so fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, one of my favorite things when we talk, we talk about being successful in life pass. And of course, but I, I want to understand because you're, you're running a, a seven figure business now that you built yep. off of your back and your reputation and your work ethic. Right. But in uh, in business school, they they teach you you're you're not going to be successful starting a business until you recognize a gap that you can fill. So, how did you recognize the gap for sand coordinators for consultation? Why don't you talk about that? And maybe go into depth about what Sand Shark actually is. Yeah. So, and we had spoke about this, you know, when when I was thinking about leaving TSS, you know, I had a really good title, uh, really good salary, all the benefits in the world, and I was thinking about leaving. And, and starting my own thing. I've had Sand Shark, the LLC itself, for four years. I started it in 2017. And when I left TSS, I had a few opportunities for a few trucking companies to help them, you know, gain business and, and retain business and help their program just, you know, get a whole lot better. And, and it went really well. I, I bought a truck as well, too. So I bought a, an actual semi truck to haul sand in the oil field. And I left there and I did, I did that for three or four months. It went really well. And then when the bottom fell out due to COVID and the negative gas prices and all that stuff, I went to go work for a gentleman that wanted me to go work for him. Did that for a while and it went great. I did sales, helped with dispatch, stuff like that. Probably one of the biggest sand haulers out in West Texas. We had almost 300 trucks at one point. Business went south again because 2020 was just a roller coaster. And I left there. We just agreed to split mutually. I'd gotten an opportunity to 
put some sand coordinators on a job for a customer in South Texas. And I'd always done side deals after I left TSS. I never did anything there just because, you know, the position I was in, I wasn't able to make, you know, deals on the side. So once I left there and I had my LLC, I've always done, you know, business above the table and helping people out, whether it pays off for me or or it doesn't, I've, I've, you know, I've gotten a a good standing with a lot of people. So people call me to help them on different things. And sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. Like I said, when I left that last company, I got offered a job in South Texas and I said, okay, like I, I can do this. I have my business. You know, what do I need to do? And they sent me the MSA and it was the first MSA I ever got. So, you know, the master service agreement and said, you know, all, you know, it's 10 pages long, but the important things were, well, you have to have this much insurance and then you have to have workers comp. So I'm sitting there like, well, now I, I got the work. Now I need to pay to, to sign this, but I need every, you know, everything that's on here. So I put my last, you know, few dollars into, into getting what I needed to be a legitimate company. You know, I went and got some help with the factoring so I could, you know, be funded because I, you know, small startup company, I can't wait, you know, six months to get paid. I got to pay my guys, mm-hmm. you know, every week. So I put probably about $15,000 into the insurance and all that stuff to sign that first MSA. We did that job. It went great. And this was last June. So we're coming, coming up pretty close to a year that I've actually been doing the, the sand coordinating piece. But I, I think it's, the sand industry has evolved a lot as far as how they deliver the sand. Back in the day, it was just strictly pneumatic. And they had these things out there called mountain movers. And that's what I primarily dealt with when I got out of the field and went to dispatch. That's when the silos started arriving and then boxes. And now there's hopper bottom systems and all that stuff. But I know for a fact that, you know, most of the times they have the trucking companies provide the sand coordinators and, and they don't care about that. They're not in the sand coordinating business. They're in the trucking business. So sometimes it gets left uh, or swept under the rug to where they're not putting high quality people out there. That's crazy. That's crazy that they wouldn't. I, I'm not saying all of them, but, but some of them, like, I, you know, I've been out there myself where, yeah. you know, trucking company ABC is handling the, you know, onsite coordination or you mm. know, pushing the trucks and stuff. And they're just a mechanic or something like yeah. they're not they're not knowledgeable into what they need to be doing out there you know whether it's safety aspect of it or the mm. operation side of it you know there's a lot of things that they juggle out there because the sand coordinators like you mentioned earlier you know you, you answer to the company man and then you ask, answer to the fracking company then you answer to all the carriers that are involved with that job then whoever the actual customer is so they answer to all these people and i've always said that you know sand haulers are the ass end of the donkey they can't walk without us, but we get zero recognition. I mean, I would say it's pretty- well until you guys run out of sand. Yes, yes. The minute you run out of sand, you're the biggest <laughs> asshole in the world. I mean, you could you could go you know a whole month, month and a half, everything's fine, everything's great. But the minute you run out of sand, all hell breaks loose, and and you know people get mad about it. But I, I've never really gotten too stressed about it. Of course, I did in the beginning when I was dispatching, and I was responsible for that well, and I let them down, and I'm costing them money, whatever the case may be. But Chuck, you know, always told me it's just, you know, is it gonna, is it the first time it happened? No. Is it going to be the last? Probably not. So you just, you just, like I said, make the best bad decision, whatever happened to lead up to that moment and, and go from there, figure out on what you can improve and stuff like that. But to answer your question, I, I, I felt that sand coordinators was like a lost art and that people, People needed to be out there that took pride in not only the company that they work for, but the customers they're serving, you know, because their their goal is our goal. You know, we, we want the job to keep pumping. We want trucks to keep moving. I felt that I should just run with it and keep going and 
try to touch all the bases I can, find as many customers as I can. And thankfully we have, we've gone from one customer and I've probably served maybe seven or eight now, started with four guys, including myself. And now we're up to about 25. We're on some pretty big jobs now that are firsts for the industry. We're on a, a brand new e-fleet, electronic fleet. That's pretty cool. And then oh, over in West Texas, mm-hmm. there's an e-fleet. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few, but we're on a, a job with Halliburton and I think it's one of the first fleets they deployed of its kind. I'm not too knowledgeable as to how it works, but I remember them saying it's it's a first, so we'll see how the job goes. I'm on a few simulfracks, a few box jobs, and hoppers, hopper bottom systems. So we're really diverse as far as what kind of systems we can we can use. We're not just strictly pneumatic coordinators or silos and stuff like that. So yeah, we've we've grown quite a bit. I still handle everything myself. I, I do all the hiring, firing, scheduling, invoicing, HR. I mean, you name it. I'm a one-man band, um, and I'd rely a lot on my guys just to show up. You're younger than most of your employees, too, huh? I bet. I would say so. I've got a few young guys. I like to have to, some of them to have at least two years' experience, if not in sand, at least in oil and gas. But I've got I've got a couple young kids that work for me that that, uh, that I really, you know, hold close to me because I was I was in their shoes, you know. So I've, I've I think the youngest I've got is probably like a 20 year old that works for me and. Uh, I try to, you know, keep him busy because it keeps him out of trouble. Because I know back then I was I was that kid. If the well's down, you know, I ended up at the bar spending money and probably not making the best decisions. So I try yeah. to keep him busy because it keeps him between <laughs> the lines. Yeah. Um, but that, that you know, that kind of motivates me because every, you know, I have a lot of friends that are all court or they have been coordinators or are coordinators and stuff like that. And everyone always dreams about having their own company doing what I'm doing. So doing this is in super surreal. It's it's. I, You're kind I, of first to market right now. That there's, there's another company that's been doing it for a long time. They're, I wouldn't say necessarily we're a competition. You know, they have their customers. I have mine. We don't really cross cross lines and stuff like that. But, yeah, to say the least, there's probably them and us, and mm. that's it. And we, I don't hold a, you know, I don't hold anything to them. They've probably got maybe 100 coordinators or something. I've got that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty big, but... Yeah, there's not too many. I'll give you that. There's two, like I said, that I know of personally. There might be another out there somewhere, um, but I haven't came across them. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty surreal. I've I've never been a big planner. I'm a more of a <laughs> more of a just wing it. Yeah, I just wing it. I don't I don't have a goal for next month. I don't have a goal for this week. <laughs> it's probably a bad thing. You know, me and you talk about this all the time yeah. outside of you know work and stuff. And it's, it's probably a, one of my downfalls, but I've just ran with it and, and whatever's put in front of me, you know, I, I swing for the fences and thankfully it's, it's paid off, you know, mm-hmm. I know it's not going to last forever, but I'm going yeah. to milk it for all it's got. While, while it's well, that was, <laughs> you kind of answered my next question without uh, me having to ask it is I was going to say, what are you doing? What are you doing planning and strategy wise for when sand drops out? I, I still have a full-time job as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've never been uh, a complacent person. So I run sand shark. I just recently purchased my third uh, semi truck. Uh, thankfully we've, we've grown from one to three within a year, maybe a little over a year. And then I have a full-time job where I do sales. I'm the VP of sales for uh, WTS group and we haul sand. We're back up to about 75 trucks now. And then we haul crude as well. Mm. And we've probably got 40 or 50 trucks there. As far as planning goes, I've, I've turned down some work recently for sand shark just cause I, I want to let the dust settle. We kind of grew really, really rapidly this year, uh, going from like mm-hmm. I said, four or five people to 25. We're in you know six jobs. 
So I'm kind of letting the dust settle. Uh, I know eventually I'll need a right hand man to try to, you know, help me run things. And that's what I want to do is get Sand Shark to be self efficient. And then I can go on and I don't know, find, find the next, next thing, thing to tackle. Yeah. 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 So uh, I don't know if that's me starting up my own trucking company or something outside of oil and gas. I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't really thought that much into it, but you know, I think, I don't know if I'd consider myself an entrepreneur, but I think, you know, entrepreneurs goals are to, you know, start a company, get it running and then just have it, it in the background, yeah. you know? So I, I've kind of got that in the back of my head, but I've just always been, you know, I like to do things because I know if I'm doing it, it's getting done right. And, you know, putting your trust into someone else or something you've built is kind of hard, but I know eventually as a, as a business owner, I'll have to get to that point mm-hmm. uh, i just don't know when it'll be so well, you don't want to be that stereotype year. right the guy who creates something pretty awesome and then can't let anyone else run yeah, it and yeah, then it stops exactly. growing because you can't let go yeah yeah i've got a, a friend over in the the mba program that's got a situation like that where the company that works for the guy is brilliant and he started something i don't want to say what the company is but yeah and they grew to like six or eight million top line revenue, but the guy just can't let go, right? Yeah. He is a creative genius and he's got a, a thing going on with his product, right? Mm-hmm. And it works really well for him, but he's not uh, business Like he needs a CEO, but yeah. he can't let go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always, I always try to be on the lookout for that. Like the pitfalls that I might be walking into yeah. or dealing with maybe my ego won't let me be aware of them because no one can do it like I can with yeah. reality. If, especially in your, in your case, if you train someone appropriately, it's it's kind of up to you whether you can turn things over or not. Let's yeah. hire someone and train them. It's yeah. up to you, right? I yeah, mean, for sure. And if, go ahead. And it's it's been, it's definitely been a learning experience because there's things that I have to deal with every day, you know, starting this company from the ground up that I, you know, I didn't go to school and they, they didn't teach me how to run a company, you know, mm-hmm. it's it my fault. I could have gone to school and, and learned how to do all that, but doing it essentially on a whim, I've, I've had to learn the ins and out of running a legitimate business on my own. Of course, you know, we touched on the topic of mentors and stuff and people Top five lessons you've learned, go. Um, Just kidding. But, shoot. Uh, oh, what, what do you, what do you, okay, let's say that, you know, you come across someone who's, starting what you've started it may not be sand coordinator or anything but what advice would you give them about starting a, a business within this industry especially transportation in general i would say d- don't don't be scared don't be scared just to give it all you've got like i said i put my last few dollars into this and thankfully it's paid off if not i would have been broke for the you know, 20th <laughs> time in my life but <laughs> you could have slept on my couch yeah man. thanks man. I appreciate it. <laughs> don't, yeah don't be scared and and be especially in oil and gas just be uh, be aware of who you're doing business with thankfully i've never been burned you know there's all these horror stories that people don't pay and blah 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 i mean i've been drug out a little while you know 70 80 days to get paid are you still in factory yeah yeah so i still some 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 uh, some companies i do some i don't and then some they don't let me because i work for anyone or not anyone but i work for the trucking company if they need help i work for the fracking company i work for the emp directly or I work for the last mile service provider, which I currently have, you know, people deployed to all of those, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not just, I'll work for just this company only, you know, anyone might need our services and, and I'll go and work. Your for service them. is the niche, right? It's not the customer that's for sure. the niche for you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we get, uh, I mean, I, I get a lot of inquiries 
almost weekly as to you know what we can do for them. And it just takes time for us to be there at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But we've, I think we've got a pretty good reputation out there, not only just myself, but the company that we've built and the guys that I've sent to our customers, you know, not, not really, haven't really gotten any bad reviews. Thankfully, you know, the people mm-hmm. I've selected, they've, they've, they've done well. I tell them, you know, you're wearing your brand. You, you know, this company's not just for me, it's for you. I mean, the, the more we do, the more we make it, it, it's a mutual thing. So I try to express that to them. Yeah. But as far as the advice goes, like I said, that one, picking and choosing who you're going to work with is a big deal, like I said, because there's oil-filled horror stories of people never getting paid and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's the, the not running joke, but that's a common narrative. Yeah. You know, is especially when you're working with a household name, EMP company or something like that, you know, you might need that check that that bill paid from them like that week yeah but it's on their schedule you know they yeah. might they might wake you make you wait like mm-hmm. 90 days mm-hmm. 180 yeah. days and that's i mean yeah also terms i've never quite understood that i mean you know you call someone to go fix your ac well you pay them as soon as they're done but oh you gotta wait you know a month two months three months i've you know mm-hmm. i bought and sold sand for a little while i was on the procurement side with with chuck and uh, but yeah, we, you know, some people wouldn't pay us till 100 days later. So you have to float that cost. You know, I have to pay all my guys before I get paid. So that's why I'm thankful for factoring. It's, it's been a good deal. It's worked out. It's, you know, saved my business. Without that, we wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be here for sure. So I'm really grateful for the, the funding partners that, that yeah. I was able to find. And, and they've really, really helped. We've got a, a factoring company coming in here to talk next month or so. Looking forward to it. I sat down and had a beer with them. They talked about. Yeah, their business model, which is kind of unique within the factoring industry, and it's con- it was constantly just customer first, customer first. Yeah, and I think because factoring can be somewhat predatory. Oh yeah, you know, so it's really cool to talk to a factoring company that's the yeah. little guy first. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, for sure. It's I mean, every, I mean, if you're in trucking, for the most part, my hats off to the people that don't, which are very few. But for the most part, if you're in trucking, you factor. You you have to. It's a necessity. It's a massive companies do it for sure. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So whenever you you stroke that check for your last penny, right? How long was it before you saw uh, positive revenue stream from Sandshark? Oh, so like I said, I put everything into it for for the insurance and stuff like that. So literally, all of my profit from that job was to that. So I was just like back at square one after we did all this work for like 45 days. Cause this is a pretty big job. It went on yeah. for a while. I was down in South Texas in the middle of the summer. I mean, it was, it was, it was an uphill battle to say That's the least. Brutal. You know, I got these guys out here. I was, you know, up around the clock, you know, helped, you know, using the technology that they had for ordering the sand on top of, you know, mm-hmm. managing the trucks and all that stuff. So it was an uphill battle. I was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a rodeo for sure. I didn't, I probably didn't see, you know, some profit for maybe a, a few months uh, after we got a few more jobs and stuff. And, you know, I still have my insurance to pay every month and then quarterly workers comp and all that stuff. So it took a while, which I wasn't too mad about. Cause like I said, I, I had my full-time job to fall back on, which, you know, that's always been a steady stream of, of uh, income for me. And then my trucks too, they were slowly getting better. Last year mm-hmm. was, was horrible, but they got a little bit better later in the year. Yeah, it took probably two, three months to, to start seeing some some money. It's it's 
badass already that you built and grew it during COVID and when people in the energy space were going out of business yeah. left and right. Yeah. People were getting out left and right. But it, it worked out for me because the, you know, the talent was there. You know, most of my guys that I've hired, they've been out of work for the last three months, six months, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So it was good to find hungry guys that were ready to get back to work. And that's, I think that's another think thing you, that's yeah. helped us is that, you know, everyone that I've hired, they're hungry. So they're out there, you know, I got guys that work, you know, how I used to four or five, six weeks straight. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't ever complain about nothing. They're just ready to work every day. If, if the well's down or something and there's no work, they're calling me like, Hey, can you send me somewhere else? Like they're just, they're just hungry. You, you know? know, put that on a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> slap your logo on there, yeah. stay hungry, be hungry. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, I was just like, man, how is Isaiah finding guys in this climate? And I think you might know everyone because my joke is that you literally know every sand hauler driving oh, yeah. driver in Texas. So if someone's <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I have deals on the table, but I can't take them because I can't find the drivers. I'm like, have you talked to Isaiah? Like, he literally knows everyone. Yeah. That might be the case, but you couldn't have hired them and convinced them to come on board without your reputation. I mean. Yeah, for sure. It's been most of the guys that I've hired. I've posted a now hiring ad once, and I think I maybe hired one or two guys from that. But for the most part, I've hired through my network of you know friends, stuff like that, or the guys that I've hired, they bring their buddy or their cousin mm -hmm. or something like that. So it's it's kind of been or organically. It's worked out really well. Most of the guys I have are from South Texas, and they're a pretty hardworking group. Yeah, I've got you know a few guys that I think maybe the oldest guy I have worked for me is probably maybe like 60. Yeah, he's he's and he's, he's kicking but ass. He outworks yeah, he's been too. one of the one of the best guys I've hired too. I uh, don't ever call and complain about nothing. He's always ready to work whenever they need him. He's out there. He's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. He doesn't call me. Not that I don't ever want to talk to him, but I know that he's out there doing his job and servicing our customer. And I don't have any. You hear from him, it's probably about. bad news. Huh? Yeah, yeah. If he calls, <laughs> it's, he's he's calling to bullshit or something's wrong. Not necessarily terribly wrong, but he, you know, he might say like, "Hey, the job's going to be down for a couple of days," whatever the case may be. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he turned out to be a really, really good hire. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. What's next outside of Sandshark? You have your eye on the next entrepreneurship opportunity? I have no idea. I've always wanted to learn something else within oil and gas and then outside of oil and gas too. I've been in sand for, for a long time, but I know there's other things that that are lucrative. But the good thing about Sandshark is, yeah, I invested some money into it to get the insurance and stuff like that, but I haven't bought equipment. I don't have to buy anything. My services, my people, so the overhead costs are really low. That's how I'm able to be competitive with my pricing and stuff like that and and, and get more work. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe we Think about going into like flatbeds or reefers or The over-the-road business lines? has been doing really good. Uh, my goal as far as the trucks go, like I said, I, I've just recently got a third one. I'd like to get maybe like five or so. Because I mean, every truck you get is just another headache. I, I think it's rewarding. It is, but sometimes it's a little much to take on. You know, being an independent owner operator, something breaks, you got to, you know, troubleshoot. You got to let me call this shop, see how much they're going to charge to fix it. Let me call this shop, see how much they're going to charge to fix it. Which place got the cheapest tires? It's it's you know it's a lot to deal with managing it on your own, and then especially from a distance because I live in the Fort Worth area, and then all my trucks are out in Odessa, so. I go out there every week, but you know, when things happen, sometimes I'm not there. So it's a little tough to manage, but for now, I would say the goals are more, you know, nearer, keep the clients we have now, maybe add a few more and see where we go. I, I never even thought that we'd get up to, you know, 20 or 20 plus guys. I just wanted, you know, maybe one or two crews, maybe 12, 15 guys. 
and then maybe like five trucks. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always, people have always told me or asked me, you know, hey, what if, you know, what if I funded you and you started your own trucking? No, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it'd be a lot to do, but you never know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, this industry, I, I love it. I, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but I'm kind of obsessed with it because yeah. there's so much that you can do. There's so many, we were talking about gaps when you were starting. There's so many gaps in this space. Oh yeah. This podcast is one, you know, yeah. you go visit a trucking company. What do they ask? What's my competition doing? Yep. What's going on with tort reform? Why the hell is insurance a crippling overhead for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's literally your story is that's what you did. You sink every last penny in just an yep. insurance. And so, you know, after, after trucking companies probably asked me what my other clients or competition yeah. is doing for like the thousandth time, I was like, well, let me just, you know, start up a podcast and get interesting people with an interest. Don't get a big head. You're not bad at it. But, and, and I know you're, maybe, start, you're starting low, so there's only one way to go after yeah. this. Just started with my worst guess. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, you have the honor of being the first one, though. So if it's a dud, um, I guess uh, we know who to blame. <laughs> I'm just blaming on the producer. Yeah, it's terrible. But the the thing is that I think people need to hear your story, man, because there there is more to this industry than just a nine to five or, or a hundred hour week or working for the man, right? Yeah. There's if you have the the willingness and the the capability and the stick to itiveness, you can really create something yeah, within this space. For sure, one yeah. of the one of the gentlemen I worked for, I looked up to him a lot, you know, in his his story and his success, and and he started with three trucks, and like I said, almost had. 300 at one point i mean as long as, it's like anything in life obviously oil field is rewarding when it's up and and pretty cruel when it's down but i mean when when things are up you know there's there's money to be made and, and work mm-hmm. to work to have so you just got to run with it and take advantage of it yeah I, I like i said i'd never even thought i'd be in oil and gas i just you know everything that's put in front of me i you know do it with all my heart I don't think that's anything cheesy, you know, if I'm sweeping the floors or, or, you know, hiring people, I'm going to do it, you know, as best I can. Well, you're, but the, no, go ahead. The, the, I guess what you were touching on was like, yeah, the, the success stories are just motivation, you know, it's just you mm-hmm. know, some guys that, you know, founded their own companies out of their garage and stuff like, obviously, you know, people have done it in many industries and different businesses, but the oil and gas, I think, I think there's a lot of underdogs, you know, that, that, that I look up to and uh, wildcatters, man. Yeah, those sure, guys are something sure. else yeah, altogether. It's, it's maybe a little dumb luck and uh, I don't know, dumb luck and some hard work and, and you can, you can get pretty far. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think I know luck is one thing and luck is kind of real, but I also think luck when it comes to being successful, it, it's essential to just you just being prepared and ready to snatch yeah. up an opportunity if you see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I fully, we, we've talked a lot about success and, and mentoring and finding successful people and who you emulate and where you want to be in life in 10 to 15 years. So I think, you, yes, luck, but you also have to have the mindset to recognize that business gap oh, or where, sure. wherever that need is that you can fill for or sure. meet, you know? Yeah, there's, don't know what song it is, but the, the chorus or whatever is that the harder you work, the luckier you get. I mean, I think that's you know, mm. kind of how, how's line. it go. The harder you work, the luckier no, you get. No, sing it. Oh no, I can't. <laughs> I, I think it's American Aquarium or something like that. I'm not sure who it is, but it's a pretty decent song. But uh, yeah, l- luckily the service that I provide has been something that that I've done myself. So so I know the ins and out of 
ins and outs of it and and my people or my service so as long as you know there's another cheesy line that says you know you take care of or you keep your workers happy and they'll keep your customers happy and that's pretty much how i've i've uh molded this to be is you know i try to help my guys inside of work and outside of work if they have family problems or truck problems or whatever i'll use i'll pull every string i can in my network to to help them you know, just be more comfortable and, and take care of whatever they have to do. You know, if they need, you know, an advance on their paycheck a few days because they can't make it till payday or whatever, I'll do whatever I can because I've been there before. I've asked for advances. I've slept in my truck because I couldn't afford a hotel. I've, mm. I've, I've been there so I can, you know, sympathize and put myself in their boots and, and do what, what needs to be done. So. Mm. Well, that's pretty, pretty awesome, man. I, I can't wait to maybe have you back on here in a couple of years to hear yeah, about the sure. next thing that you've built or yeah. See what you know, maybe when, when sand shark hits <laughs> 500 employees, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll crack some whiskey yeah, for sure. live and, uh, <laughs> enjoy it. But, you know, I, I want to circle back to one more thing before maybe we close this out and, sure. and let's, let's talk about mentoring again. So you have these young kids, 20 year old, 19, young, yeah. impressionable, you know, how are you, how are you going about maybe trying to teach them lessons? How do you recognize maybe what they might need to hear? Can you, t- can you talk about that? Yeah. So like I said, I, I try to keep them busy because I know when you're busy, you, you stay out of trouble. And I, I kind of, I, I guess I kind of feel like a big brother. I, I, mm. I'm there for them. Like I said, whether it's inside of work or outside of work, haven't really gone through anything too crazy as far as where they really needed me, like I had to, you know, bail someone out or something like that, which I, I definitely would. But I just, you know, the, the, I think what's gotten me this far and it's still something that I do to this day is the way I was raised, just treat people the way you want to be treated. So that's how I, I treat my guys and, and my customers and anyone that I work with for that matter, or anyone that I know. I, I, don't, I don't know how to answer your question. I just, you know, I'm just there for them if they need something, you know. Yeah. Thanks a Like I said, present. we haven't really gone through anything too crazy. That's good. Maybe you're but, just hiring they really, know. really good employees. I guess. Yeah, I mean, knows? I've had a couple of bad eggs, you know. <laughs> I, a few months ago, maybe I had my first, like, no call, no show. And, oh, Oof. man, that was a horrible feeling. I do not ever want to feel that again. It was just it, – it, it, the, the workforce these days is definitely different from when, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever the generation – before whatever the case may be however mm. you want to say it but there's definitely a lack of integrity and in, in in some folks these days it's it's kind of aggravating you know it's just yeah you, you know everyone has their phone on them you know 75 percent of the day you couldn't just call me or text me he just ghosted me you know i felt like mm. i went on a bad date or something and they just never <laughs> called like, so, would you hire this guy yeah. on tinder or something <laughs> No, no. Thankfully, I haven't had to resort to that. But uh, yeah, it it, it it was a bad, bad feeling for sure. And it's really ruined my day. But we got past it. And, you know, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing uh, happened that, that we couldn't repair. And uh, yeah, just kept on moving. But, okay. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think Sand is going to do in 21? What do you think the recovery is going to look like? Right now, it seems to be doing pretty good. We just went through that winter storm. Right now, it's still still a show out there a lot of the sand facilities were down and stuff like that i'll be headed out there later today but from what i hear it should be should be a pretty good pretty good year hopefully make up for last year there seems to be a good uptick in demand as far as you know trucking and sand and everything goes oil prices are doing pretty good so we'll we'll see what happens well i 
I appreciate you coming on. It was great to catch up with you. We haven't yeah. talked in a while. For sure. I'm very happy for your success. Thank I, you. I think it's motivational. And, you know, again, if you want to reach out to Isaiah, you can email him at Isaiah at SandsharkOFS.com. If you're looking for work, or if you want to hire his company to coordinate, or if you just want to talk about entrepreneurship and growth, he's someone that you should definitely pin down and have a conversation right there with. Uh, sure. Be rewarding. So, hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, James. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you found the conversation informative. Please feel free to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast channel. And as always, any ratings and reviews are greatly appreciated. For more information on today's guest, visit blindspotpodcast.com. It's it's badass already that you built and grew it during COVID and when people in the energy space were going out of business yeah. left and right. Yeah, people were getting out left and right. But it, it worked out for me because the, you know, the talent was there. You know, most of my guys that I've hired, they've been out of work for the last three months, six months, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So it was good to find hungry guys that were ready to get back to work. And that's, I think that's another think thing you, that's yeah. helped us is that, you know, everyone that I've hired, they're hungry. So they're out there, you know, I got guys that work, you know, how I used to four or five, six weeks straight. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't ever complain about nothing they're just ready to work every day if, if the well's down or something and there's no work they're calling me like hey can you send me somewhere else like they're just they're just hungry you, you know? know put that on a t-shirt yeah. <laughs> slap your logo on there yeah. stay hungry be hungry yeah you know that's welcome to blind spots a podcast about innovation where i talk to today's leading experts in the transportation and logistics space Our topics are industry forecasts, company mishaps, and discussions about the overall climate of business. I'm your host, James Peterson. Isaiah, thank you for being here. Of course. You're one of the people that I was really excited to have on because I think you got a great story and people can learn a lot and probably take some value from what you have to say. No pressure. Or anything like yeah. that. You've got to be brilliant, though. If you want to reach out to Isaiah, you can email him at Isaiah at sandsharkofs.com yep. with questions, comments, inquiries. He's always around. If you if you think he's interesting, I, I suggest you reach out. Lot to unpack here. I, I can't wait to talk about Sandshark. You guys are doing amazing things, especially during COVID and oil crisis. But before we get into all of that, I, I'd love to just hear about how you got started in the oil field logistics space to begin with. So it was uh, probably about 10 years ago. I lived in South Texas, uh, San Antonio, and uh, I, I was in the mortuary business before I got into the oil and gas. And uh, Okay. <laughs> time out. Time. <laughs> the mortuary business? Yeah. Yeah. So... Out of high school, I went to college, dropped out, and and I needed a job. So I went to you know one of those agencies, and they're like, hey, yeah. you want to be a funeral director's assistant? And I was like, I mean, I guess if it pays, and it paid fairly well when I was you know, 18, <laughs> 19 years old. Uh-huh. So I did that for a while, and then I ended up working for a, a Bear County a morgue. It's the you know the mm-hmm. morgue that handles all of San Antonio and surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just left that. I got burnt out, you know, because I was on call twenty four seven. All I did was you know pick up 
dead bodies all the oh way everywhere. Yeah. So at that time, you know, it was 10 years ago, you know, Oldfield was doing pretty good. And I just took the first job I could get and it was dispatching vacuum trucks at night. Mm. And uh, so I started doing that and uh, I went through, you know, a couple companies. I would always, you know, I was young. I was chasing the dollar. You know, if I was making mm-hmm. $14 an hour and they offered me 16, I was gone, you know, the next day and I was pretty good at what I did. I've always been able to, you know, multitask and handle, you know, a heavy workload. I was dispatching, you know, over a hundred trucks at night by myself. So I excelled mm-hmm. pretty quick. So when I was doing the vacuum truck thing, which is completely different from what I do now, it's more, you know, liquid hauling rather than sand. But I saw the truck pusher, you know, at the yard and stuff, and you just supervise the drivers and the trucks. And you had the company pickup truck, flashy, you know, nice salary, always look good, taking people out to lunch. I was like, man, I want to be a truck pusher. So I found an ad for a truck pusher, but it ended up being a sand coordinator. I, I didn't know. I was, you know, still young in the oil field. So for for those people who are listening or watching who who may not actually understand what a truck pusher is, can you talk about that? Yeah. So on the on the vacuum truck side, you know, the liquid hauling is, you know, they go out to locations, they help, you know, find the jobs, they go out there and watch the drivers and the trucks while they're working. You know, they're usually, like I said, the guys taking people out to lunch, kind of business mm. development slash safety slash operations type thing. So they wear multiple hats and that's what I wanted to do, you know, cause they didn't really answer to anyone. They did whatever mm-hmm. they wanted. Like I said, it, it just looked like a fun job. So I took a job as a sand coordinator, which is quite the opposite. This was, you know, shift work at a well site, just watching trucks all day, you know, ordering trucks, you know, the deliveries and stuff like that. So that was, like I said, that's about 10 years ago when I got into sand and, and I've been in it ever since. So my understanding is sand coordinator is like one of the more complicated jobs on a frack site, right? Because they're relying on you, correct? Yeah, I would say so. So they're the, you know, they're the eyes and the ears on location. So they, they order the trucks and they need to be there in a timely manner to ensure that the frack crew has, has the sand to pump. And if they order too soon or too late, you know, they risk putting the you know, putting the job at risk of it running out of sand. If they order too early, then the trucks are sitting on the clock and they pay what's called demerge and that could end up costly as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, they're the eyes and the ears. So they're communicating with everyone that's involved in that supply chain to to make Mm. sure that the frack has the sand they need to keep on going. So I would say it's it's definitely a trade, uh, a skilled trade, I would think. You can't just put anyone out there that doesn't know how to, you know, troubleshoot little problems. And, you know, there's a bunch of tricks of the trade that that they need to know through experience. So you can't just send anyone out there. It's you know it's not just a warm body to to run that job. Interesting. Yeah, the the couple of frack sites that I've actually been on are if you haven't seen it, it's just it's so complicated and industrial, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. noisy and loud. Oh yeah. And there's trucks coming and going and then you've got the company man yelling at someone and then you've got mm-hmm. the pad supervisor and then you've got the hands and you might have OSHA come out there. Mm-hmm. Or the E and O company might come out there. I mean, mm-hmm. there's the pressure's kind of on the whole time. So you oh, were you sure. were doing that at how old? I was I was ten years ago, about 20, 19, 20 years old. Twenty year old kid coordinating yeah. sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty rough. And and back then it was it was you know it was the wild west. I mean, it, now it's you know a lot more safer and regulated. I feel like you know feel like the old timers they would tell you. Oh, back in the day, we did this, this, and that. But when I look back at it, we I kind of really did. You know, we'd work 100 hours a week for wow. you know, six weeks straight and go home for a week. I mean, it was, it was pretty tough. But it's it's funny that you're talking about old school. When I when I was working 
in the oil field. I was on a water-based drilling rig for natural gas. The rig was built in 1954 or 56. I mean, cause you know, they have the construction stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And it really was the Wild West. I mean, you'd yeah. work a 16-hour day, no problem. Yep. And if the tool pusher or the company man wasn't on site, you do whatever you had to do to get it done. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think now I think about, I mean, we just made it through a very cold week. But yep. before that, when it's winter or it's cold or windy, I always wake up and say, God, I'm glad I'm not in the wolf field right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely, yeah, this week was bad with the recent freeze and that crazy mm-hmm. storm. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, but I think it's Uri. Is that what it is? Uri? I don't know what it's classified as. What was it? Just uh, a I think winter it's just storm. a winter storm. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, definitely grateful for that because you would know, you know, being out in West Texas, it's it's the wind chill is what gets you. It's always mm-hmm. windy out there. There's no trees to block the no wind. Trees. You know, it's yeah. it's bad. You got to be covered, you know, everywhere to, to stay warm out there. As soon as you get out of your pickup, you know, that wind's blowing 15, 20 miles an hour and it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty miserable. And and you, we stay out in the elements, you know, the frack jobs don't shut down, you know, really for whether they will sometimes, but, you know, normal rain, they'll just keep on going. So you're wading through the mud and mm-hmm. snow and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And that, in that industry, there's nothing as valuable as a pair of Carhartts, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, for sure. So and some muck boots, man. That's <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep, that, yep, they're yep. like gold. You gotta, I learned, you know, early on to take care of your feet. And I'm sure you learned the same thing in the oh, military yeah. and stuff. I mean, you know, like, Forest Gump and stuff, you know, they say take care of your feet. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely have a couple pairs of boots. You know, it's, those Carhartts go a long way. So you transitioned from the pad coordinator. Uh, was that it at TSS? Yeah, so, so I, I went to go work for TSS. The gentleman that hired me is, his name is Chuck Kesterson. He's a big mentor of mine. He was, he was in the oil field for a long time, taught me a lot of what I knew. So it kind of got slow there a few years later and, uh, uh, that's what actually got me to North Texas was they're like, hey, it's slow on you know the field part with the guys, the sand coordinators. And they're like, do you want to come up, move to Gainesville where they were headquartered? Do you want to move mm-hmm. up there and start dispatching? And I said, well, yeah, I kind of need a job. So I'll go back to dispatching. So I had to learn, you know, I, I knew the, the the basics of, you know, how it worked, but I'd never dispatched a sand truck before. Like I said, I did water before, but I, I started dispatching sand and, it, you know, just kind of came naturally. I, I excelled mm-hmm. at that. I mean, they got new leadership a few years ago, and they asked me to to run their whole dispatch department, and uh, and that's what happened. I, I, I was, you know, I was twenty six, twenty seven, maybe at that point, and I was like, "Are you you telling me this whole building? <laughs> you want this little guy to run your whole, you know, multi million dollar yeah. supply chain?" And you know, it was pretty humbling and overwhelming at the same time. But you know, at the drop of a hat, I had you know twenty people that were under me, so I was mm-hmm. responsible for all these people. Not only that, but you know all the carriers too. I managed all the carriers. That's how uh, I met a lot of good people. Some of the same people you know. Um, yeah, that's right. Whenever we met, you were the director of logistics over yeah, there. So, yeah, so I did that for a little title. two years. Yeah, yeah, I was just dispatch manager, but that was the title I was given, and uh, it was good. We I grew to grew up to maybe about thirty people on that team. I did most of the hiring. I had a few supervisors and an assistant. So you had 30 direct reports and you were responsible for how many of TSS's trucks they had with like a hundred? So they, they're probably at a hundred now. I would say back then it was maybe like 40, 50, maybe something like that. Resource transport had maybe 40 or 50. They've steadily grown over the years, but I don't think it was that many. How many, how many 3PLs were counting on say, you for I would work? say probably about 50 to 60 carriers that we had. And I would say at any given day, there's, you know, 300 or any given time, 
there's probably about 300 trucks on the road. And I think at, when I was there, our peak was 14 frack fleets that, that we managed. And that was including the Northeast, South Texas, East Texas, Oklahoma, and uh, West Texas, of course. I've, I love TSS's dispatch center, man. It's like yeah. uh, the future. Yeah. If you, you could have seen where we where we went from to what, where they're at now, it was, I mean, we were like <laughs> pen and paper and Google Docs. Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild. And now, you so know, that's what you imagine, right? When, yeah. when you, when people hear dispatching, they imagine like you're on the mic, on the phone, texting, managing yeah. your drivers and you go in there and it's got, it yeah. looks like a fancy Oh, it's like Wall Street NASA or something. Yeah, it's giant screens and yeah. figures and everyone's diligent. Mm-hmm. But they also have fun in there too. It's, it's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We did we did have a lot of fun. And uh, it was a good learning experience for me to, to manage that many people. Now I manage maybe about 25, but it was good to learn, you know, how to how to be a boss. You know, no one really mm-hmm. teaches you. And thankfully, you know, some of the folks you know were good mentors to me and helped yeah. guided me. And, you know, any problems I ever had, I'd go up to them and they'd, you know, help me, you know, make the best bad decision. That was one of the, you know, one of the things I was told when I got into sand is, you know, things mess up all the time. But I was told you just make the best bad decision at that time because, you know, it's it's a bad situation and you just mm-hmm. go with with what you think will, will try to help. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lose-lose. Sometimes it's a win-win, but. Well, you know, in the, in the Marines, they, they teach you how to make decisions, right? And basically you just have to take, take the inputs, process it and give an output, right? There's a saying that was just pounded into my head as stubborn as I am. I still say it all the time. It's hesitation (laughs) kills. Yeah. And I think in combat, yes, but also in business, you know, and for sure, whenever you have the, the guts and the will to make that bad decision, when most people don't want to make it, I think that's how a lot of people get ahead. Some people feel that way too, but you, you said something that I want to talk about for a second. And that was, you mentioned mentors and something that we've had some conversations about is how to, how to find a mentor, how do you pick a mentor? Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that? When you, when you found a mentor, were you looking for one or did you just recognize someone that had some value? Not necessarily. I don't think I've ever looked for one. Thankfully I've been blessed and they've came to me and I consider you to be one as well. I, I've always, I've always, uh, that might, that might be a I'm a, I'm a people person, you know that, you know, I get yeah. along with everyone from, you know, the janitor to the CEO. Mm. And, uh, and like I said, I've just been blessed that the right people have been put in my path when, when I needed them and, and mm. I didn't think I did. But the first one for sure in the industry was, was a gentleman named Chuck Kesterson. I, I owe a lot to him. He was the one that hired me at, at TSS. The funny story is, and he'll he'll tell you too. He would still he would tell people all the time, and I got tired of hearing it, you know, over a hundred times. But you know, I went I went to his office in in Barnhart, a small town out in West Texas, and they had a rail spur, and that's where their yard was, and all that stuff. And I went in there, and I was like, hey, you know, are y'all hiring? I want to be a sand coordinator. I can do this, 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 and that. And he's like, oh man, you're you're full of shit. Like you're look at this. I mean, I look younger than I do now. And uh, he's like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. It's you know, get out of here. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. You know, a few weeks later he ended up getting in a bind and he calls me. He's like, Hey, are you still looking for work? Yeah. You know, I could use some help. And I was like, yeah. And so well, you want to hire the kid now, yeah, huh? Yeah. So he <laughs> hired me and never looked back. And like I said, I was with him for probably three or four years. I was like his right hand man. He took me under his wing. You know, he's a good, good man, had good morals, very respectable in this business. Everyone knew him. I've never, never really saw a bad side to him through all the, all the stuff we went through, which, you know, it's just crazy business 24 seven. He's probably one of the most dedicated men I've ever met in my life. Mm. He, you know, woke up, 
and he was always working. I mean, it was just, it was a good and a bad thing, of course, right? But uh, for the most part, I, I learned a tremendous amount of, of things from him. But uh, to answer your question, I, I wasn't looking for a mentor. He just, you know, happened to be mine, my first one, probably one of my most dearest. And uh, and we still, you know, keep in contact to this day. He got out of the sand business after, you know, COVID and all that stuff. And uh, now he's a mailman and he works on his farm and just lives the dream. But he's a, he's hmm. a good man. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Of course. Might be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if we're doing like, are we doing Joe Rogan? Like, are we cussing and stuff? Are we staying, <laughs> are we staying professional? Hey, man, you do what you <laughs> do, whatever you want. Um, you know, I'm I'm a Marine, so if I if I can make it for an hour without swearing, then it's yeah, it's a good day. It's a pretty big, you know, it's impressive. <laughs> I need to, yeah, you know, thankfully text we don't have my fashion in our hand. Yeah. That would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we can go get a beer. I mean, we can pause it. But All right. let me ask you a question. Of course. So it's nothing deep or crazy. I just want to hear your personal experience. Whenever you were 20, 19, and you were netting a 10k a month. Did you act oil field rich or were you smart with your money? And why don't you um, tell people what oil field rich means? I, I mean, oil field rich, everyone, I mean, well, <laughs> mostly everyone in Texas knows is yeah. you see, you see a big jacked up lifted truck and there's a young kid in there. Either one is daddy's money or two, he's in the oil field and he probably doesn't make a lot of money. But I mean, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars for a 20 year old. I mean, yeah, you're going to go get the brand new bass boat and you're going to go get the yeah. brand new pickup. And thankfully I never did any of that. Okay. I, I didn't really save much. I probably should have a whole lot more than I do now after all these years of, you know, making a pretty decent income, you know, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't do and do any of that. Thankfully. I mean, I, okay. was, I, I stayed with the, you know, same old pickup truck. I, I just, yeah, I, I still haven't even done that to this day. You know, there's, there's people that go out and have an upgraded yet, huh? No, no. Well, I remember, I remember I met you and, our mutual friend Marcus for, for yeah. cigar and, and mm -hmm. uh, beer. And I just got in a little SUV and you guys yeah. were out in the parking lot <laughs> roasting me because I didn't have yeah. a pickup truck. Yeah. I have a truck now. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. upgraded um, as Texan as it gets, you yep, know. Yep. I'm going to forget that though. Yeah. You roasted yeah, me. Yeah, you're driving a <laughs> soccer mom vehicle. Like, come on, man. Hey, <laughs> when you when you travel all over, you got to be comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, that was my excuse at least. Now I have that truck and it's a... Uh, Badass. Yeah. Very now I'm proud to be your friend. <laughs> now. Yeah. Thank God. So you've built, I, I see you brought me some swag too. Yep. Can, can I see that? Oh, of course. Yeah, that is all I had left, man. Those <sighs> things go like hotcakes. I got some. What am I going to do with this one? Got some stickers too. Okay. Right, nice. Find a, find a pretty girl to give it to. <laughs> well, well it's yeah. Fort it, <clears throat> pretty girl they, over here. They go like hotcakes. I've probably ordered over 200 hats and I don't even have one. Like I, I, I they well, just go so fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, one of my favorite things when we talk, we talk about being successful and life pass. And of course, but I, I want to understand because you're, you're running a, a seven figure business now that you built yep. off of your back and your reputation and your work ethic. Right. But in uh, in business school, they they teach you you're you're not going to be successful starting a business until you recognize a gap that you can fill. So, how did you recognize the gap for sand coordinators for consultation? Why don't you talk about that? And maybe go into depth about what Sand Shark actually is. Yeah. So, and we had spoke about this, you know, when when I was thinking about leaving TSS, you know, I had a really good title, uh, really good salary, all the benefits in the world, and I was thinking about leaving. 
and, and starting my own thing. I've had Sand Shark, the LLC itself, for four years. I started it in 2017. And when I left TSS, I had a few opportunities for a few trucking companies to help them, you know, gain business and, and retain business and help their program just, you know, get a whole lot better. And, and it went really well. I, I bought a truck as well, too. So I bought a, an actual semi truck to haul sand in the oil field. And I left there and I did, I did that for three or four months. It went really well. And then when the bottom fell out due to COVID and the negative gas prices and all that stuff, I went to go work for a gentleman that wanted me to go work for him. Did that for a while and it went great. I did sales, helped with dispatch, stuff like that. Probably one of the biggest sand haulers out in West Texas. We had almost 300 trucks at one point. Business went south again because 2020 was just a roller coaster. And I left there. We just agreed to split mutually. I'd gotten an opportunity to put some sand coordinators on a job for a customer in South Texas. And I'd always done side deals after I left TSS. I never did anything there just because, you know, the position I was in, I wasn't able to make, you know, deals on the side. So once I left there and I had my LLC, I've always done, you know, business above the table and helping people out, whether it pays off for me or or it doesn't, I've, I've you know, I've gotten a, a good standing with a lot of people. So people call me to help them on different things. And sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. Like I said, when I left that last company, I got offered a job in South Texas and I said, okay, like I, I can do this. I have my business. You know, what do I need to do? And they sent me the MSA and it was the first MSA I ever got. So, you know, the master service agreement and said, you know, all, you know, it's 10 pages long, but the important things were, well, you have to have this much insurance and then you have to have workers comp. So I'm sitting there like, well, now I, I got the work. Now I need to pay to, to sign this, but I need every, you know, everything that's on here. So I put my last, you know, few dollars into, into getting what I needed to be a legitimate company. You know, I went and got some help with the factoring so I could you know, be funded because I, you know, small startup company. I can't wait, you know, six months to get paid. I got to pay my guys, mm-hmm. you know, every week. So I put probably about $15,000 into the insurance and all that stuff to sign that first MSA. We did that job. It went great. And this was last June. So we're coming, coming up pretty close to a year that I've actually been doing the, the sand coordinating piece. But I, I think it's, the sand industry has evolved a lot as far as how they deliver the sand. Back in the day, it was just strictly pneumatic, and they had these things out there called mountain movers, and that's what I primarily dealt with when I got out of the field and went to dispatch. That's when the silos started arriving, and then boxes, and now there's hopper bottom systems and all that stuff. But I know for a fact that you know most of the times they have the trucking companies provide the sand coordinators, and, and they don't care about that. They're not in the sand coordinating business. They're in the trucking business. So sometimes it gets left. Uh, or swept under the rug to where they're not putting high quality people out there. That's crazy. That's crazy that they wouldn't. I, I'm not saying all of them, but but some of them. Like I, you know, I've been out there myself, where yeah. you know, trucking company ABC is handling the you know on-site coordination or you mm-hmm. know pushing the trucks and stuff, and they're just a, a mechanic or something. Like yeah. they're not they're not knowledgeable into what they need to be doing out there. You know, whether it's safety aspect of it or the mm-hmm. operations side of it. You know, there's a lot of things that they juggle out there. Because the sand coordinators, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you answer to the company man, and then you answer to the fracking company, and then you answer to all the carriers that are involved with that job, then whoever the actual customer is. So they answer to all these people. And I've always said that, you know, sand haulers are the ass end of the donkey. They can't walk without us, but we get zero recognition. I mean, I would say it's pretty- Well, until you guys 
run out of sand. Yes, yes. The minute you run out of sand, you're the biggest <laughs> asshole in the world. I mean, you could you could go you know a whole month, month and a half, everything's fine, everything's great. But the minute you run out of sand, all hell breaks loose, and and you know people get mad about it. But I, I've never really gotten too stressed about it. Of course, I did in the beginning when I was dispatching, and I was responsible for that well, and I let them down, and I'm costing them money, whatever the case may be. But Chuck, you know, always told me it's just. You, is it is it the first time it happened? No. Is it going to be the last? Probably not. So you just you just like I said, make the best bad decision, whatever happened to lead up to that moment, and, and go from there. Figure out on what you can improve and stuff like that. But to answer your question, I I I felt that sand coordinators was like a lost art, and that people people needed to be out there that took pride in not only the company that they work for, but the customers they're serving. You know, because their their goal is our goal. You know, we, we want the job to keep pumping. We want trucks to keep moving. I felt that I should just run with it and keep going and try to touch all the bases I can, find as many customers as I can. And thankfully we have, we've gone from one customer and I've probably served maybe seven or eight now, started with four guys, including myself. And now we're up to about 25. We're on some pretty big jobs now that are firsts for the industry. We're on a, a brand new e-fleet, electronic fleet, that's pretty cool. And then uh, oh, over in West Texas, mm-hmm. there's an E-fleet? Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few, but we're on a, a job with Halliburton, and I think it's one of the first fleets they deployed of its kind. I'm not too knowledgeable as to how it works, but I remember them saying it's it's a first, so we'll see how the job goes. I'm on a few simulfracs, a few box jobs, and hoppers, hopper bottom systems. So we're really diverse as far as what kind of systems we can we can use. We're not just strictly pneumatic coordinators or silos and stuff like that. So yeah, we've we've grown quite a bit. I still handle everything myself. I I do all the hiring, firing, scheduling, invoicing, HR. I mean, you name it. I'm a one man band. I mean, I rely a lot on my guys just to show up. You're younger than most of your employees too, huh? I bet. I would say so. I've got a few young guys. I like to have to some of them to have at least two years experience. If not in sand, at least in oil and gas. But I've got I've got a couple young kids that work for me that that, uh, that I really you know hold close to me because I was I was in their shoes, you know. So I've, I've I think the youngest I've got is probably like a twenty year old that works for me, and uh, I try to you know keep him busy because it keeps him out of trouble. Because I know back then I was I was that kid. If the well's down, you know, I ended up at the bar spending money and probably not making the best decisions. So I try yeah. to keep him busy because it keeps him between <laughs> the lines. Yeah. Um, but that that you know that kind of motivates me because every you know I've have a lot of friends that are all court or they have been coordinators or are coordinators and stuff like that and everyone always dreams about having their own company doing what I'm doing so doing this is in super surreal it's it's I, kind I, of first to market right that now. there's there's another company that's been doing it for a long time they're I wouldn't say necessarily we're a competition you know they have their customers I have mine we don't really cross cross the lines and stuff like that. But yeah, to say the least, there's probably them and us and mm. that's it. And we, I don't hold a, you know, I don't hold anything to them. They've probably got maybe a hundred coordinators or something. I've got that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty big, but yeah, there's not too many. I'll, I'll give you that. There's two, like I said, that I know of personally, there might be another out there somewhere, um, but I haven't came across them. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty surreal. I've I've never been a big planner. I'm a more of a more of a just <laughs> wing it. Yeah, I just wing it. I don't I don't have a goal for next month. I don't have a goal for this week. <laughs> it's probably a bad thing. You know, me and you talk about this all the time yeah. outside of you know 
work and stuff. And it's just probably a, one of my downfalls, but I've just ran with it and, and whatever's put in front of me, you know, I, I swing for the fences and thankfully it's, it's paid off, you know, mm-hmm. I know it's not going to last forever, but I'm going yeah. to milk it for all it's got. While, while it's well, that was, <laughs> you kind of answered my next question without uh, me having to ask it is I was going to say, what are you doing? What are you doing? planning and strategy wise for when sand drops out. I still have a full-time job as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've never been uh, a complacent person. So I run sand shark. I just recently purchased my third uh, semi truck. Uh, thankfully we've, we've grown from one to three within a year, maybe a little over a year. And then I have a full-time job where I do sales. I'm the VP of sales for uh, WTS group and we haul sand. We're back up to about 75 trucks now. And then we haul crude as well. Mm. And we've probably got 40 or 50 trucks there. As far as planning goes, I've, I've turned down some work recently for sand shark just cause I, I want to let the dust settle. We kind of grew really, really rapidly this year, uh, going from like mm-hmm. I said, four or five people to 25. We're in you know six jobs. So I'm kind of letting the dust settle. I know eventually I'll need a right-hand man to try to, you know, help me run things. And that's what I want to do is get Sand Shark to be self-efficient. And then I can go on and, I don't know, find find the next, next thing, thing to tackle. Yeah. 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 So uh, I don't know if that's you know, starting up my own trucking company or something outside of oil and gas. I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't really thought that much into it. But, you know, I think, I don't know if I'd consider myself an entrepreneur, but I think, you know, entrepreneur's goals are to, you know, start a company, get it running. And then just have it in the background, yeah. you know, so I, I've kind of got that in the back of my head, but I've just always been, you know, I like to do things because I know if I'm doing it, it's getting done right. And, you know, putting your trust into someone else or something you've built is kind of hard. But I know eventually as a as a business owner, I'll have to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know when it'll be. So well, you don't want to be that stereotype, year. right? The guy who creates something pretty awesome and then can't let anyone else run yeah. it. And then yeah, it stops exactly. growing because you can't let go. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a friend over in the the MBA program that's got a situation like that where the company that works for the guy is brilliant and he started something. I don't want to say what the company is, but yeah. and they grew to like six or eight million top line revenue, but the guy just can't let go, right? Yeah. He is a creative genius and he's got a, a thing going on with his product, right? Mm-hmm. And it works really well for him, but he's not uh business like he needs a ceo yeah he can't let go yeah so I'm, I'm always i always try to be on the lookout for that like the pitfalls that i might be walking into yeah or dealing with maybe my ego won't let me be aware of them because no one can do it like i can with yeah. reality if, especially in your in your case if you train someone appropriately it's it's kind of up to you whether you can turn things over or not let's yeah. you hire someone and train them it's yeah. up to you right i yeah, mean for sure and if Go ahead. And it's it's been it's definitely been a learning experience because there's things that I have to deal with every day, you know, starting this company from the ground up that I, you know, I didn't go to school and they, they didn't teach me how to run a company, you know, mm-hmm. it's it my fault. I could have gone to school and, and learned how to do all that. But doing it essentially on a whim, I've, I've had to learn the ins and out of running a legitimate business on my own, of course. We touched on the topic of mentors and stuff, and people. Top five lessons you've learned. Go. Um, just kidding. But, shoot. Uh, oh, just man, what? What do you? Know. What do you? Okay, let's say that you know you come across someone who's starting what you've started. It may not be sand coordinator or anything, but what advice would you give them about starting a, a business within this industry, especially transportation in general? I would say d- don't don't be scared. 
don't be scared just to give it all you've got. Like I said, I put my last few dollars into this and thankfully it's paid off. If not, I would have been broke for the you know, 20th time in my life. But <laughs> you could have slept on my couch. Yeah, man. thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't be scared. And and be, especially in oil and gas, just be be aware of who you're doing business with. Thankfully, I've never been burned. You know, there's all these horror stories that people don't pay and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've been drug out a little while, you know, 70, 80 days to get paid. Are you Which, still in factory? Yeah. Now? Yeah. So it's just some, 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 uh, some companies I do, some I don't, and then some they don't let me because I work for anyone I, or not anyone, but I work for the trucking company if they need help. I work for the fracking company. I work for the EMP directly uh, or I work for the last mile service provider, which I currently have, you know, people deployed to all of those, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not just, I'll work for just this company only. You know, anyone might need our services and, and I'll go and work. Your service is the niche, right? It's not the customers. For sure. The niche for you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we get, uh, I mean, I, I get a lot of inquiries almost weekly as to, you know, what we can do for them. And it just takes time for us to be there at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But we've, I think we've got a pretty good reputation out there. Not only just myself, but the company that we've built and the guys that I've sent to our customers, you know, not, not really haven't really gotten any bad reviews. Thankfully, you know, the people mm-hmm. I've selected, they've, they've, they've done well. I tell them, you know, you're wearing your brand. You, you know, this company's not just for me, it's for you. I mean, the, the more we do, the more we make it, it, it's a mutual thing. So I try to express that to them. Yeah. But as far as the advice goes, like I said, that one picking and choosing who you're going to work with is a big deal. Like I said, cause there's oil filled horror stories of people never getting paid and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's the, the not running joke, but that's a common narrative. Yeah. You know, is especially when you're working with a household name, EMP company or something like that, you know, you might need that check that, that, bill paid from them like that week yeah but it's on their schedule you know they might they might wake you make you wait like Mm -hmm. 90 days Mm -hmm. 180 days and that's i mean yeah oil field terms i've never quite understood that i mean you know you call someone to go fix your ac well you pay them as soon as they're done but oil field you gotta wait you know a month two months three months i've you know Mm -hmm. i bought and sold sand for a little while i was on the procurement side with with chuck and uh, but yeah, we you know, some people wouldn't pay us till a hundred days later. So you have to float that cost. You know, I have to pay all my guys before I get paid. So that's why I'm thankful for factoring. It's it's been a good deal. It's worked out. It's you know saved my business. Without that, we wouldn't you know I wouldn't be here for sure. So I'm really grateful for the the funding partners that that yeah. I was able to find, and and they've really really helped. We've got a, a factoring company coming in here to talk next month or so. Looking forward to it. I sat down and had a beer with them. They talked about. Yeah, their business model, which is kind of unique within the factoring industry, and it's con- it was constantly just customer first, customer first. Yeah, and I think because factoring can be somewhat predatory. Oh yeah, you know, so it's really cool to talk to a factoring company that's the yeah. little guy first. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, for sure. It's I mean, every, I mean, if you're in trucking, for the most part, my hats off to the people that don't, which are very few. But for the most part, if you're in trucking, you factor. You you have to. It's a necessity. It's a massive companies evil, do it for sure. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So whenever you you stroke that check for your last penny, right? How long was it before you saw uh, positive revenue stream from Sandshark? Oh, so like I said, I put everything into it for for the insurance and stuff like that. So literally, all of my profit from that job was 
to that. So I was just like back at square one after we did all this work for like 45 days because this is a pretty big job. It went on yeah. for a while. I was down in South Texas in the middle of the summer. I mean, it was it was, it was an uphill battle to say That's the least. Brutal. You know, I got these guys out here. I was, you know, up around the clock, you know, helped, you know, using the technology that they had for ordering the sand on top of, you know, mm -hmm. managing the trucks and all that stuff. So it was an uphill battle. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a rodeo for sure. I didn't, I probably didn't see, you know, some profit for maybe a, a few months uh, after we got a few more jobs and stuff. And, you know, I still have my insurance to pay every month and then quarterly workers comp and all that stuff. So it took a while, which I wasn't too mad about. Cause like I said, I, I had my full-time job to fall back on, which, you know, that's always been a steady stream of, of uh, income for me. And then my trucks too, they were slowly getting better. Last year mm -hmm. was, was horrible, but they got a little bit better later in the year. Yeah, it took probably two, three months to, to start seeing some some money. It's it's badass already that you built and grew it during COVID and when people in the energy space were going out of business yeah. left and right. Yeah. People were getting out left and right. But it, it worked out for me because the you know, the talent was there. You know, most of my guys that I've hired, they've been out of work for the last three months, six months, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So it was good to find hungry guys that were ready to get back to work. And that's, I think that's another think thing you, that's yeah. helped us is that, you know, everyone that I've hired, they're hungry. So they're out there, you know, I got guys that work, you know, how I used to four or five, six weeks straight. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't ever complain about nothing. They're just ready to work every day. If, if the well's down or something and there's no work, they're calling me like, Hey, can you send me somewhere else? Like they're just, they're just hungry. You, you know? know, put that on a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> slap your logo on there, yeah. stay hungry, be hungry. Yeah. You know, that's, that's. I was just like, man, how is Isaiah finding guys in this climate? And I think you might know everyone because my joke is that you literally know every sand hauler driving oh, yeah. driver in Texas. So <laughs> someone's like, yeah, I, I, I have deals on the table, but I can't take them because I can't find the drivers. I'm like, have you talked to Isaiah? Like, he literally knows everyone. Yeah. That might be the case, but you couldn't have hired them and convinced them to come on board without your reputation. I mean. Yeah, for sure. It's been most of the guys that I've hired. I've posted a now hiring ad once, and I think I maybe hired one or two guys from that. But for the most part, I've hired through my network of you know friends, stuff like that, or the guys that I've hired, they bring their buddy or their cousin mm -hmm. or something like that. So it's it's kind of been or organically. It's worked out really well. Most of the guys I have are from South Texas, and they're a pretty hardworking group. Yeah, I've got you know a few guys that I think maybe the oldest guy I've worked for me is from maybe like 60. Yeah, he's he's and he's, he's kicking but he ass. Outworks yeah, everyone he's been too. one of the one of the best guys I've hired too. I uh, don't ever call him complaining about nothing. He's always ready to work whenever they need him. He's out there. He's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. He doesn't call me. Not that I don't ever want to talk to him, but I know that he's out there doing his job and servicing our customer. And I don't have any. You hear to from worry him? It's about. probably bad news. Huh? Yeah, yeah. If he calls, <laughs> it's he's he's calling to bullshit or something's wrong. Not necessarily terribly wrong, but you know, he might say like, "Hey, the job's going to be down for a couple of days, whatever the case may be." But Mm -hmm. Yeah, he turned out to be a really, really good hire. Well, that's cool, man. Yep. What's next outside of Sand Shark? You have your eye on the next entrepreneurship opportunity? I have no idea. I've always wanted to learn something else within oil and gas and then outside of oil and gas too. I've been in sand for, for a long time, but I know there's other things that that are lucrative. But the good thing about Sand Shark is, yeah, I invested some money into it to get the insurance and stuff like that, but I haven't bought equipment. I don't have to buy anything. My service is my people, so the overhead costs are really low. That's how I'm able to be competitive with my pricing and stuff like that and, and, and get more work. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe we think about to... going into like flatbeds or reefers or the over the road business lines? has been doing really good. Uh, my goal as far as the trucks go, like I said, I, I just recently got a third one. I'd like to get maybe like five or so because I mean, every truck you get is just another headache. I, I think it's rewarding. It is, but sometimes it's a little much to take on, you know, being an independent owner operator, something breaks, you got to you know, troubleshoot. You got, let me call this shop, see how much they're going to charge to fix it. Let me call this shop, see how much they're going to charge to fix it. Which place got the cheapest tires? It's, it's, you know, it's a lot to deal with managing it on your own. And then especially from a distance, because I live in the Fort Worth area and then all my trucks are out in Odessa. So I, I go out there every week, but you know, when things happen, sometimes I'm not there. So it's a little tough to manage, but for now, I, I would say the goals are more, you know, nearer, keep the clients we have now, maybe add a few more and see where we go. I, I never even thought that we'd get up to, you know, 20 or 20 plus guys. I just wanted, you know, maybe one or two crews, maybe 12, 15 guys, and then maybe like five trucks. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always, people have always told me or asked me, you know, hey, what if, you know, what if I funded you and you started your own trucking? No, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it'd be a lot to do, but you never know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, this industry, I, I love it. I, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but I'm kind of obsessed with it because yeah. there's so much that you can do. There's so many, we were talking about gaps when you were starting. There's so many gaps in this space. Oh, yeah. This podcast is one. You know, yeah. you go visit a trucking company, what do they ask? What's my competition doing? Yep. What's going on with tort reform? Why the hell is insurance a crippling overhead for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's literally your story is that's what you did. You sink every last penny in just an insurance. And so, you know, after, after trucking companies probably asked me what my other clients or competition is doing for like the thousandth time, I was like, well, let me just, you know, start up a podcast and get interesting people with an interest. Don't get a big head. You're not that, (laughs) but, and and you're you're starting low. So (laughs) there's only one way to go after this. Just started with, my worst guess, and then uh, you know you have the honor of being the first one though so if it's a dud um, i guess uh, we know who to blame <laughs> i'm just blaming on the producer yeah it's totally. terrible but uh, the the thing is that i think people need to hear your story man because there there is more to this industry than just a nine to five or, or a hundred hour week or working for the man right yeah. there's if you have the the willingness and the the capability and the stick-to-itiveness you can really create something within this space for sure one of the one of the gentlemen i worked for i looked up to him a lot you know and his his story and his success and and he started with three trucks and like i said almost had 300 at one point i mean it's like anything in life obviously oil field is rewarding when it's up and and pretty cruel when it's down but i mean when when things are up and you know there's there's money to be made and and work Mm -hmm. to work to have so you just got to run with it and take advantage of it yeah Um, i i like I said, I'd never even thought I'd be in oil and gas. I just, you know, everything that's put in front of me, I you know, do it with all my heart. I don't think that's anything cheesy. You know, if I'm sweeping the floors or, or you know, hiring people, I'm going to do it, you know, as best I can. Well, you but the no, go ahead. The the I guess what you were touching on is like, yeah, the, the success stories are just motivation. You know, it's just you mm-hmm. know, some guys that you know founded their own companies out of their garage and stuff like obviously you know people have done in many industries and different businesses but the oil and gas i think i think there's a lot of underdogs you know that 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 i look up to and uh, wildcatters man yeah those guys or something else yeah it's it's maybe a little dumb luck and 
I don't know, some dumb luck and some hard work and, and you can, you can get pretty far. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think I know luck is one thing and luck is kind of real, but I also think luck when it comes to being successful, it, it's essential. Just you just being prepared and ready to snatch yeah. up an opportunity. If you see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I fully, we we've talked a lot about success and, and mentoring and finding successful people and who you emulate and, where you want to be in life in 10 to 15 years. So I think you, yes, luck, but you also have to have the mindset to recognize that business gap oh, or where, sure. wherever that need is that you can fill for sure. Need, you know? Yeah. There, I don't know what song it is, but the, the chorus or whatever is that the harder you work, the luckier you get. I mean, I think that's you know, mm. kind of, How, how's line. it go? The harder you work, the luckier no, you get. No, sing it. Oh, no, I can't. I, I think it's American Aquarium or something like that. I'm not sure who it is, but it's a pretty decent song. But, yeah, luckily, the service that I provide has been something that, that I've done myself. So so I know the ins and, out of, ins and outs of it. And, and my people are my service. So as long as, you know, there's another cheesy line that says, you know, you take care of or you keep your workers happy and they'll keep your customers happy. And that's pretty much how I've, that's, that's, I've uh, molded this to be is, you know, I try yeah. to help my guys inside of work and outside of work. If they have family problems or truck problems or whatever, I'll use, I'll pull every string I can in my network to, to help them, you know, just be more comfortable and, and take care of whatever they have to do. You know, if they need, you know, an advance on their paycheck a few days because they can't make it till payday or whatever, I'll do whatever I can because I've been there before. I've asked for advances. I've slept in my truck because I couldn't afford a hotel. I've, mm. I've been there so I can, you know, sympathize and put myself in their boots and, and do what, what needs to be done. So. Mm. Well, that's pretty, pretty awesome, man. I, I can't wait to maybe have you back on here in a couple of years to hear yeah, about the sure. next thing that you've built or yeah. see what you know, maybe when, when Sand Shark hits <laughs> 500 employees, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll crack some whiskey yeah, for sure. live and uh, <laughs> enjoy it. But, you know, I, I want to circle back to one more thing before maybe we close this out and, sure. and let's, let's talk about mentoring again. So you have these young kids, 20 year old, 19, young, impressionable. You know, how are you, how are you going about maybe trying to teach them lessons? How do you recognize maybe what they might need to hear? Can you, t can you talk about that? Yeah. So like I said, I, I try to keep them busy because I know when you're busy, you, you stay out of trouble. And I, I kind of, I, I guess I kind of feel like a big brother. I, I, mm. I'm there for them. Like I said, whether it's inside of work or outside of work, haven't really gone through anything too crazy as far as where they really needed me, like I had to, you know, bail someone out or something like that, which I, I definitely would. But I just, you know, the, the, I think what's gotten me this far and it's still something that I do to this day is the way I was raised, just treat people the way you want to be treated. So that's how I, I treat my guys and, and my customers and anyone that I work with for that matter, or anyone that I know. I, I, don't, I don't know how to answer your question. I just, you know, I'm just there for them if they need something, you know. Yeah. Thanks like, like I said, present. we haven't really gone through anything too crazy. That's good. Maybe you're but, just hiring they really, know. really good employees. I guess. Maybe I mean, knows. I've had a couple bad eggs, you know. <laughs> I, a few months ago, maybe I had my first, like, no call, no show. And, oh, Oof. man, that was a horrible feeling. I do not ever want to feel that again. It was just it, – it, it, the, the workforce – these days is definitely different from when you know 10 years ago 15 years ago whatever the generation before whatever the case may be however mm -hmm. you want to say it but there's definitely a lack of integrity and in, in 
in some folks these days, it's it's kind of aggravating. You know, it's just yeah. You, you know, everyone has their phone on them. You know, seventy five percent of the day, you couldn't just call me or text me. You just ghosted me. You know, I felt like mm. I went on a bad date or something. They just never <laughs> called. <I was> like, <laughs> Would you hire this guy yeah. on Tinder or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, I haven't had to resort to that. But uh, yeah, it it, it, uh, it it was a bad bad feeling for sure, and it's really ruined my day but we got past it and you know nothing mm -hmm. nothing uh happened that would that we couldn't repair and uh, yeah just kept on moving but, okay yeah. what do you think what do you think sand is going to do in 21 what do you think the recovery is going to look like right now it seems to be doing pretty good we just went through that winter storm right now it's still still a show out there a lot of the sand facilities were down and stuff like that i'll be headed out there later today but from what i hear it should be should be a pretty good pretty good year Hopefully make up for last year. There seems to be a good uptick in demand as far as, you know, trucking and sand and everything goes. Oil prices are doing pretty good. So we'll, we'll nice. see what happens. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. It was great to catch up with you. We haven't yeah. talked in a while. For sure. I'm very happy for your success. Thank I, you. I think it's motivational. And, you know, again, if you want to reach out to Isaiah, you can email him at Isaiah at SandsharkOFS.com. If you're looking for work, or if you want to hire his company to coordinate, or if you just want to talk about entrepreneurship and growth, he's someone that you should definitely pin down and have a conversation right there with. Uh, sure. Be rewarding. So, hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, James. Thank you. you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you found the conversation informative. Please feel free to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast channel. And as always, any ratings and reviews are greatly appreciated. For more information on today's guest, visit blindspotpodcast.com.